and he always said to my brother, don't take it to football. <laughs> they weren't even born when I was going to Europe. It's mostly male-dominated. They think that football, it's only for men. And I just used to turn to him and say, listen, mate, I've been abroad watching United more than you've been at Old Trafford. A lot of the lads and, to be honest, more so the parents used to shout stick from the side and you shouldn't have a girl on your team. It didn't really feel like the environment for a girl like me. Whether you're male, female, gay, white, black, blue, pink, green, we welcome them all. We're a family. It's that thing you can't put your finger on with this football club. It's just special. Welcome to a special podcast with me, Helen Evans, celebrating women in football. I'll be talking to our fans here in the UK and around the world. I actually just chose to come to England because of Man United, but don't tell my parents that. Oh, really? Players past and present. We're not asking for equal pay, we're asking for equal opportunity. I always think that sometimes as a father, you're probably a little bit more protective. Manchester United staff, as well as those working in sports media. Yeah, I think when I first started my career, I faced some uh, sexist comments. You know, mentally, how do you recover from that? I'll be asking them about their role models and inspiration, their experiences within the world of football, as well as what Manchester United means to them. Manchester United is the team that made me fall back in love with football again. I think I'll be there happy in the world. (laughs) Manchester United is global and our club is for everyone. Football is nothing without the fans, so that's where I want to start. At Manchester United, we're lucky enough to have many diehard female supporters who follow the team both home and away. When researching this International Women's Day podcast, my team and I came across a joint project by the Manchester United Museum and historian Dr Michaela Hume. This project was called Forgotten Voices of Terraces, the experience of female football fans between 1960 and 2000. As there is so much great content here, we wanted to include some of the recordings in this podcast. Janet Talbot, born 1970. Uh, my name is Carly Lyza, I was born in 1984. Joan Pearson, 1943. Eleanor Christine Long, the 20th yeah. of June, 1941. I'm Susan Moore and I was born in 1959. So... How did these ladies start supporting Manchester United? The thing that I suppose really made me go from just sort of, oh, this is something that's sort of always there in the background on a picture on the wall or on the TV or something that my dad's talking about, to being something that I was really actively, I felt more involved in and more passionate about, um, was when Matt Busby died in 1994. So I was 10 at that point. I was like, wow, this is like the Queen dying or something. This is like, who was this person? Because they must be someone really, really special to have so much attention on them when they died. In the 70s, just by posters and stuff that my brother had and on TV, I didn't go to my first match until 1983. So I'd kind of got that hook, but my dad was a long-distance lorry driver and he always said to my brother, don't take it to football. Never take a football, not to go. And he was working away one night and they were playing Spartak Varna at home in 1983. And um, my brother came home from work and said to me, Mum, can I take Janet to the match? And she's like, oh, your dad will kill you. You Oh, what shall I do? Anyway, he took me and that was it. 
I was just hooked day one. My first visit was the 3rd of August 1957, when United played City. We actually won 4-1 that day. <laughs> In 1955, with Duncan Edwards playing and Eddie Coleman. Um, it's a long time ago, and it was a youth match. There weren't there was a quite a good crowd, probably about fifteen to twenty thousand, I would think. So I thought it was really exciting. Oh, I think it was probably uh, nineteen sixty-eight watching United in the Cup final, European Cup final, and the intensity in the room. Everybody was around the television, and I just felt all this excitement. And I thought, well, what's all this about? And then I saw Georgie Best and that was the end. <laughs> With us coming up on a mostly for sort of European and midweek games, I'd actually go to school in the morning. So I'd get up, get my stuff together for the match, go to school. Um, and then I'd have some ridiculous note for the teachers saying, Carly can't come into school this afternoon because she's got a dentist appointment or she's got something going on that my, you know, my dad would make up for me. And everyone, the teachers all knew where I was going. In fact, some of them used to ask me to bring programmes back. <laughs> They'd accept the note and be like, all right, enjoy, you know, sorry to hear that you need to have another filling. Can you make sure you bring me back a programme from the dentist? So I'd leave school at dinner time, like some sort of celebrity being like, I'm off to watch Man United against Juventus now. Enjoy maths sort of thing. I'd like to know if these ladies have ever felt out of place being in a male-dominated environment, particularly decades ago. Have they ever felt uncomfortable? At that time, uh, it was quite unusual. You know, sometimes you'd come across things where people, oh, was, oh you, you should only get a ticket if there's any left. And I just used to turn to them and say, listen, mate, I've been abroad watching United more than you've been Old Trafford, so don't, you know, don't pull that one. It was um, obviously very male-orientated. But, yeah, the atmosphere was, everybody was just behind the team. Um, I don't think there was as much swearing then as there is now. It was just, I just found it magical, really. Then there was a wonderful time when my husband said, absolutely no way are you going to Wembley. And me and Andrew looked at him, Andrew being my eldest son, and I thought, oh, yes, I am. I'm not going to all these games not to be able to go to Wembley. And it was for the Rumble Oaks Cup um, against Nottingham Forest. And I got two tickets for Wembley. And I kept thinking, how am I going to tell him? So I decided the best thing to do was not to. So that Saturday, I booked family uh, coach tickets. I thought that would be the best way to go. And he couldn't complain about that because I was on the family bus. So I came home from work. I gave Andrew a dig and said, you better get up, get up quietly. Get everything on that you're going to the game. We're going to Wembley. And we crept out of the house and we got here and got on the bus. And when we got halfway down and we had a pit stop, <laughs> I rung up and said, we're on our way to Wembley and put the phone down. Um, he wasn't impressed with me, but we had a really good time and we won. <laughs> well, I love it. And I've always felt very safe here. I even used to bring six-year-olds for the odd matches that came in the 70s. And I never saw any trouble where I was. I've always felt very comfortable here. It wasn't really like a, an expected thing to be sort of like a girl at the match. But when you're at the match, like you don't really notice it. Like you just, particularly then, you're just sort of one of one of many people and you don't really consider what's going on. I think the only, when I was younger, 
I was a bit concerned about sort of things like the physical aspects of sort of like taking up space and singing and being a bit embarrassed. I'm still embarrassed about my voice now and that I've got like a squeaky girl voice. Like I've got a fanzine, obviously sell the fanzine and I don't shout when I'm out selling the fanzine and everyone's like, you need to shout. People need to hear that you're, you know, what you're selling. And I literally just stand there with the fanzine in my hand because I hate the fact that I've got a woman's voice and it just sounds ridiculous when I shout something that's usually sort of a male thing. And I've always been a bit, like I've never started. I love getting involved in chants, but I never start chants on my own because I always think, well, no one's going to join in because I'm a girl and like, who's going to do, who's going to, you know, follow a female voice sort of thing. It was really good banter. And I think that stuck with me most of my life. I love to banter. I love to be in um, a male environment. I work mainly with men. And it, it was just great. The com- uh, camaraderie, just the feeling in the ground. It was amazing. Finally, let's hear what Manchester United means to these ladies. I feel a bit now because I don't go all the time. They're not at the forefront like they were. They ruled my life and I can't have them ruled my life now. I'll always be knowing what they're up to and, you know, know when they're playing and watch it either on the TV or come or whatever I'm doing. I'll always know and be aware of what's going on. But I was completely obsessed with it. I mean... I would like to have been a travel agent for my career, but you had to work Saturdays, so that was out. I actually, I worked in banking purely because it was the right hours and it fitted in with football and I stuck it and I hated it. But I did it because I needed to be there on a Saturday. And I remember him saying to me, I worked in a big, big branch in Bolton Town Centre and they started opening Saturdays and they said, you've all got to sign this contract that you work Saturdays. I said, I'm not signing it. And they was giving us a £1,000, it's 20 odd years ago, which seemed like a lot of money, but wasn't really. But it was like, you get £1,000 if you sign this. I said, give me £5,000, give me £10,000. I ain't signing it, I ain't working Saturdays. They said, we'll move you from this branch. Went, move me. And I was the only one who stood my ground and didn't sign that contract, but there was nowhere. Because I thought, well, why, why am I earning my money? It's to come football. Well, you know, they say a fan is a fanatic, and that's definitely me. It's an obsession, <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt. Well, my husband died a long, long time ago now, um, 1986. So there was just me and my daughter. And, and I used to bring her and... Um, yeah, it's an absolute obsession. And since since I've been on my own, yeah, it, it's just kept me going, really. The meanings change, I think. I think at different points in life, it means different things. I think when I was young, it meant excitement and going from sort of very drab surroundings to being somewhere that's really colourful and feeling like you sort of in a place where like real stuff's going on you know you're not at school you're not hanging about near your your house it's like this is where the world is happening this is what's on the news this is what's on the tv this is like real life happening sort of in this stadium or whatever and so when I was younger it was all about excitement and drama and sort of you know players on the pitch oh my god I can't believe I'm standing so close to Eric Cantona oh my god David Beckham and Ryan Giggs are over there this is crazy that you know these megastars, celebrities, you know, the best players in the world are so close. So it was about all that sort of stuff when I was younger. And then it became more about the the people around you. And I think particularly when I stopped going with my dad as much, it then made me realise how much I valued having him there. 
um, sorry. And I think particularly since having my son nearly two years ago now, that's definitely changed my perception about what United means and about it being more about sort of family. All those cliches that you say about football, about it being about family and tradition and culture and identity and community and all those things. So it's definitely, and it's something that I've explored in the in the fanzine as well, it's definitely about that sense of belonging, that sense of community, that sense of being a part of something that's bigger than yourself, that thing of being tied to lots of other people for a sort of shared cause or a shared goal, even though it's quite intangible what that actually is, because it's certainly not putting five past Liverpool anymore. So... <laughs> This camaraderie that we have between the fans, whether you're male, female, gay, white, black, blue, pink, green, we welcome them all. We're a family. And that's how I've always felt from being 11 year old to the 62 year old that I am now. Of course, Manchester United's reach is global. It's estimated that there are over a billion fans worldwide. I wanted to speak to some of our fans outside of the UK as I thought this would be a great opportunity to find out what the situation is with women's football in their country. Of course, women's football is exploding here in the UK, but this might not be the case elsewhere. I connected with Muna Lucky, a journalist and influencer in Uganda, who you will hear from soon, but I also spoke to Zainab Fawaz from Lebanon. Zainab isn't your average fan. She's gone one step further. She helps with the running of the official Manchester United Supporters Club in Lebanon. I wanted to know how her love of football and Manchester United began. Uh, to be honest, I've been I've grown up playing the game as well as watching it because of my brother. So he used to need uh, a goalkeeper. So he'd put me in goal and I just... That was me too. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's how I grew up loving the game. And he was a Man United fan, Eric Cantona, the caller. And that, that was it, I guess. No other choice for me. Did you play football growing up? I did. Or just support? I, you did? No, I, I did play football. I play from time to time as well. During school and university mostly. And what is the setup for girls football, young girls in Lebanon? So at the time, I remember in school, there was no football women's team. But I, I actually started it with a few friends in school and we won and some tournaments started to be created. And there's now an FA for the football teams. Oh. And uh, the women's teams are doing much better than the men's teams. They've actually won some trophies internationally. So wow. that's that's pretty pretty impressive for a, a country such as Lebanon. You said there wasn't much football as a girl growing up. Was there much football for a boy growing up in your brother's from your brother's perspective? Definitely, yes. It was different. So usually football was a game for boys and men to play with, not for girls to play. And when did your love of Manchester United and wanting to really be involved in Manchester United start to show? Would that have been in your university years? No, even I actually just chose to come to England because of Man United, but don't tell my parents that. Oh, really? <laughs> I chose the closest university to Manchester and I was able to watch as many games as possible. Um, let's talk about the supporters club then, because you are heavily involved in the Lebanon supporters club. So it was a Facebook group made by a few university um, guys, one of them who is now my husband. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> yeah, so I... 
I got into the group. Um, they weren't official, but they were doing events and they were like meeting together, watching games. And I butted in, sort of. And I knew that there was a chance to become official. We tried the first two years, but we couldn't get enough numbers, enough members. And it was only after seeing that Bahrain got an official, they were the first Arab club. So I got a bit jealous and, and worked harder. I think we all worked harder to, to become official. And that was it. Currently, we're maybe 70 members only. But that's a okay. really big decline because of COVID, because of the explosion. So we've not really asked people to join now. So at the same time as COVID, we also had a, a major uh, economical decline in Lebanon. So the banks were closed. They still are or stuff like that. So people didn't really have any purchasing power. And then COVID came. Uh, everything was locked down. Nowhere to go watch the games, obviously. And that was it. Then the explosion came. So it was all consecutive. And we honestly didn't feel well enough to post about going anywhere to watch yeah. games or or even to promote buying memberships to people who can't even afford the bread or stuff like that. Uh, the place where we used to watch the games was destroyed, so that was one thing. And it was just a, a really low, low time for the whole country and still is at the moment as well. Zainab, you mentioned there about the difficult few years that you've had in your home country. How do you think football can help people through times like that? Uh, football is great to lift the mood. The The community that Man United have established with Supporters Club was great to us during the explosion. A lot of the Supporters Club even uh, made some fundraisers for us and, and helped, uh, made donations to, to Lebanon. So that's another way football can help. In Lebanon, is it strange to be a woman football fan or is there lots of women who love football and indeed other sports? Um, I've never thought it was strange for a woman to be a football fan in Lebanon, or nor uh, leading a supporters club. Even other other teams have women who lead their clubs. I don't know if it's because maybe some are more organized. I'm not sure. <laughs> they like the responsibility of, of handling su such stuff, but it's not really uh, weird anymore, or I'd never felt it was weird to, to, to take part of football in, in Lebanon. It's time to head to Uganda. My name is Lucky Muna. I'm currently 21 years old. I was born and raised in Eastern Uganda. Since I was 11, actually, um, I used to watch the game of Man United on TV with my family. And it's that time when I developed that love for to start to be a Man United fan. Every time uh, Manu was playing, we were eager to see Ronaldo, Ronnie playing. What about playing football then? Is there an opportunity for girls to play football in Uganda? Yeah, there is opportunity, but um, there is this culture belief in Uganda, most in, mostly in Africa, but in Uganda, there is this culture belief that um, sports, especially football, it's mostly male-dominated. They think that football... It's only for me. It's a wrong perspective. So there are all opportunities, but um, they are not a lot. 
the number of girls and women eh, they are increasing. Eh? Have you ever been to Old Trafford before? Unfortunately, I've never been there, but uh, it's one of my dreams to be there, to watch the ball, like the game physically. It's one of my dreams, and I would like to see Marcus Rashford score and do his iconic celebration like this after scoring. I think I'll be the happiest in the world. <laughs> Is Marcus Rashford your favourite player currently? Yeah, he's one of my favourite. Would yeah. you say it's strange to be a football fan in Uganda? Uh, it used to be unusual way back then, but uh, nowadays it's changing. Right now in Uganda, we also have uh, female female football analysts where we have Asha Komugisha. By the way, she, she also supports Man United. Um, they have better knowledge on football, better than other people. And uh, also, FUFA, that's a Federation of Uganda Football Association, it has done at least its best to develop football for women in Uganda. I'm so comfortable to be a fan of Man United, but besides, there are some challenges which comes with it. Um, you can get um, social harassment. If you're not strong enough, eh? like they can send you messages, they can abuse you, they can do all sorts. But for me, my love as a fan for, for my team, yeah, Man United. As we all know, we really do have the best fans in the world at Manchester United. From the fans, though, to the players. Let's hear from Jack Butland, Mary Earps, Fred, Ella Toon, Diogo Delo, and Alessia Russo, who is first up with her female inspiration and role models growing up. I had lots. Um, I think I was fortunate to have a super supportive family, still do. They come to a lot of the games, so always look up to them. Um, also, Kelly Smith was a, a huge player in the game for me. Um, along with likes of Serena Williams. Like, I just used to love seeing women reach the top of their games. So my biggest female inspiration right now is my girlfriend. Uh, she's probably my best friend, very work hard uh, woman and very friendly. Uh, she knows me from inside out, so I would say probably her. I had a few, um, but when I look back now, I think it's got to be my mum. I think without my mum and my dad, obviously, um, I wouldn't be where I am today. My mum and my grandparents were, were massive influences for me. Taking me to football, teaching me lessons, taking me everywhere I needed to be, keeping me humble, keeping my feet grounded. Um, I've been very fortunate to have, to have some incredible women in my life. And then if I touch on, like from a sports perspective, Serena Williams, one of the greatest athletes period of all time. My female inspiration is my mother because uh, she's always helping me in my life care me and love me for independent of the situation she's always in my side so in all my life she's my inspiration we're really fortunate now that women's sport has been given a bigger platform um, and it's something that's nice for young boys and girls to see uh, women at the top of their game and when I was growing up the access was a little bit harder to find so I think it's really nice that we're on Sky, like the big women's tennis matches are all over TV. Like I love watching 
just sports in general and to be able to see athletes like like you is really inspiring and, and hopefully it makes these little girls know that they can go and achieve it. Anyone that has, has got big role models and important role models in their life have got, have got a head start. You can't be what you can't see. So to have that visibility and to have female sports people, sports stars in the, in the media or being spoken about and, and doing great things in, in their industries I think is really inspiring to young people and, and shows them that you can do whatever you set your mind to and I think that's a really important message to, for young people to, to have. It's always great and inspirational to hear from the players. But MUTV's Mark Sullivan was also able to ask the first team men's manager, Eric Ten Hag, about his female inspirations. Eric, in an interview recently, you were asked about inspirations outside of football and you mentioned Major Alida Bosshart. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about the influence she's had on you and why? Uh, she was uh, the face of the Salvation Army. She was the founder and then the face of the Salvation Army in the Netherlands. And she did it so many years and I had so many respect for her. Always stand for the poor. Uh, always uh, her life in uh, relation to the poor people and to give them a better life. So you so much have to respect that. And she did it in such a great and in an honorable way. So yeah, that's why it's, um, she had a huge life. And everyone should respect her. Fantastic to hear from the manager there. I'd also like to get a sense of what it's like, though, for men and women who are working in sports and how the industry could be a better place for everyone. I sent our very own Sam Homewood and Zara Conley to Carrington to find out. Holly Bancroft, Head of Women's Football at Manchester United. Siobhan Chamberlain, former Manchester United goalkeeper, current Mum, broadcaster, TV, pundit, radio star. Bit of everything. It's quite, the, C- it's quite the CV. <laughs> Wes Brown or Wesley Brown, depending on who's, <laughs> who you ask it. Um, and I do a lot for Manchester United, a lot with MUTV. And a former professional player. A long time ago, Sarah, yeah. <laughs> you ask me what I do now. <laughs> I'm Mark Skinner and I'm the Manchester United Women's Team Manager. Hi, I'm Katie Zellum and I'm a footballer for Manchester United Women. What obstacles have you overcome in your career as a footballer and now in the media? I think there's always the obstacles of being told that it's not the place for girls or girls don't play football. There's not the opportunity for them to kind of, or for me to to take part. There were never girls teams when I was younger. Now there's girls playing everywhere. You turn up at your local park, there's there's likely to be a girls game going on alongside a boys game or mixed games. But that was never the case when I was younger. Making myself sound really old here. I'm not that old. (laughs) Well, I'm getting old. (laughs) But there wasn't that opportunity. So I think the obstacles was accessibility. And now an obstacle is definitely motherhood. And now what hurdles do you think players have had to overcome to become these professional footballers that we see now? So many. Uh, financial is, is a huge one. Opportunity is a huge one. Lack of professional standards in off the field, on the field, um, even like the, the ability to feed yourself and fuel yourself. It goes down to that micro detail. But there are so many barriers that our club is helping, is playing its part in overcoming. You know, we want to remove those barriers for the younger generations, but also remind them of their part 
for the future generations. So as hard as some have had it, I think they would say it's the first thing that's made them the characters they are. Um, I think when I was younger, it was an all-boys team that I used to play in and a lot of the lads and, to be honest, more so the parents used to shout stick from the side and you shouldn't have a girl on your team, football's not for girls. And I think I had a lot of friends at the time that played football at school, whatever it may be, and a lot of girls stopped playing at such a young age because of things like that. They, they're not strong enough, they don't want it enough to be able to overcome the heckling from the side and I think that shouldn't ever be the case that you shouldn't have to choose between being shouted at from the side or pursuing something that you love so for me I was lucky enough that I had a really supportive family that really pushed me and could take me everywhere but unfortunately that's not the same for everyone. And now we are seeing more roles change within football especially just to level the playing field at backroom level do you think we've still got a long way to go to reach that full equity? I think so. I think there's always work towards anything that takes an adaptation point takes a little bit of time. Unfortunately, that's that's in life, right? But I think Manchester United are a leading club within Duma anyway, with our senior leadership team around the club is is exceptionally gifted with with quality individuals and they just happen to be female. Um, I think, you know, huge strides are being made both on and off the pitch. But I think if you're looking at Top level football, um, globally, there's still a lack of women in board positions. I've just completed my master's in sport and directorship. So that's kind of the avenue that I'm looking to, to go down. And my dissertation, I did 12,000 words on the, the importance of having that equality, having females within the boardroom and leadership positions within football clubs. And it, it's staggering the disproportion that there, there currently is and how important it is to have diversity of voice equality of voice and there is improvements happening all of the time but it's so far off I think full equality is difficult I think you hear the equal pay argument and things like that it's difficult when Old Trafford's full at 75,000 every single week I think a big thing I stand for is we're not asking for equal pay we're asking for equal opportunity and that's something that I strongly believe in it's girls that want to follow the dreams should be able to do that they should be able to access a football pitch access a team every single week so that they can but now you are a father to three daughters what's that like it's good love it they're not really into sport they're more into dancing and lots of things with the phone now so there you go tiktok whatever it is and now are you Comfortable bringing your daughters to a match at Old Trafford? They, do they enjoy it? The oldest one loves it. She she got more dragged to games, if you know what I mean. Um, dragged? Dragged. <laughs> yeah, because she had to come. Um, but she she will come to a game now with a boyfriend. That's another subject. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess then, be your eldest when she comes to games. Mm. What do you think her experience is like? Do you think that the match day experience could be improved for women and young girls? Um, I mean, maybe. I mean, I, I, when I when I look around the ground, there's a lot of lot of kids there, and girls, and they seem to be fine. They seem to fit in, doing most of the stuff that everybody else does. Uh, I always think that sometimes, as a father, you're probably a little bit more protective. But yeah, I mean, I don't see there's any problem. These, everyone gets stuck in and sing the songs and and get involved. I just wish my kids would. Now, we are in quite a male-dominated environment and you're paving the way there. Have you ever felt uncomfortable in that environment, though? 
afraid so. Yeah, I think when I first started my career, I faced some uh, sexist comments um, towards the fact that it was okay for girls to play football, but women shouldn't be playing. Um, and my first job in football, it's not really the type of comment that you particularly want to hear. Um, but thankfully, as I've worked more and more in the game and there become more women in visible role model positions, uh, again, on and off the pitch, thankfully that level of comment has, uh, has sort of reduced um, and we hear less of that kind of uh, mentality. Um, but yeah, I think unfortunately we'd be hard pressed to find some women that haven't faced um, some uh, some negative comments. Uh, during their careers. Have you ever been made to feel uncomfortable in a male-dominated environment? See, I, I haven't really. I think I know that I've heard stories of, of women that have been, and maybe I'm I'm lucky. There's been, obviously, you get kind of comments on social media and stuff like that, that it's water off the duck's back. Maybe it shouldn't be. Maybe you should stand up and say, no, you can't say that. But I think if you get drawn into that battle... It's a losing battle because you've got people sat behind keyboards. I think on social media, you see a lot of things of women belonging kitchens. I mean, if they see me in the kitchen, they definitely won't think that. There's a same old stereotypes and prejudice that, like I said before, very outdated views. And it's something that as, as a society, we need to be better at and that needs to change. You know, I work with women in the legal department, in finance, in the technical team, um, you know, across marketing, communications. There's just women everywhere in the club and rightly so, and as, as there should be. I think it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time for girls and for women in general. And it shouldn't have to be a conversation that we have about that girls should have as much opportunity as, as boys. It should just be a given. It's an exciting time to be growing up being a girl. I'm not sure my eldest is quite on the sporting ladder just yet. She prefers the dance route, but lots of people say to me, oh, is she going to be a goalkeeper? I'm like, one, goalkeepers don't get the credit that centre forwards do. So if she's going to play football, she, you're going to be a centre forward. What are your visions and hopes for the future of women's football? Yeah, it's a big question, this one. Very big one. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, you know, the, the governance of the women's game will be really interesting with the move from of the Women's Super League away from the FA's governance and how that might look, um, whether that's moving with the Premier League or its own entity. I think that would be a really exciting proposition. Now, can you see your daughters maybe working in football or sports media in future? You're saying that they're messing around on TikTok. Maybe. They could do. Yeah, they love all the social bits. So you never know. <laughs> My daughter said there's a nap now. Have you seen this app, Dad? She said, if you put it on, you'll look about 20 years younger. But this is what she was telling. She's only twelve. She said, "You've got a few lines where you can make you make yourself look younger." I was like, "Oh my god!" But now, if they were in that industry, mm-hmm. sometimes some people spoke about the obstacles that they face as a female in this industry. Now, what would you want that industry to look like for your daughters if they were being involved in it? You just want to get treated the same as everybody else. I think. I mean, I started playing football in '96. I played for United, and it was a little bit different. Do you know what I mean? Most of the cultures. Um, we're all men. Bus drive security, you know, everything, um, we're all men. So to see it change and, and the way it's changed is, is perfect for me in the, in the right way. Everyone's equal. Everyone can still do the job. It doesn't really matter. And everyone gets on, you know, and, and that's the way it should be. For any young girls that want to be professional footballers, what advice would you give them? For me, I'd say surround yourself with positive people, surround yourself with people that believe in you and more importantly believe in yourself I think make sure that you're confident you're accountable for your own actions and 
you just never know where it can take you I think for me the sky's the limit I think I never thought when I was little I would be here and and I am so hopefully that's an inspiration for everyone and now what does Manchester United mean to you oh that's a that's a tough question I mean um I've always been a fan so to actually play for the club um was, was a dream come true but now obviously still still work and do a lot of stuff with the club it's it's like home um I always remember leaving for Sunderland and I was 31, devastated the next day. The only, the only thing that kept me going was Shazer because we both signed for Sunderland at the same time. Um, but coming back and seeing a lot of the old phases, you know, there's so much that's, that's not changed as well. Um, it's, like I said, it's like home. I think for me, Manchester United is the team that made me fall back in love with football again. I'd been in the game for so long. I only played for Manchester United. I was there for the last two years of my career, but I'd gone through a phase of kind of falling out of love with the game. There was so much else involved with it. And when I signed for United, I just fell back in love with football again. Thank you very much. Thank you. On a side note, you said 1996. I was born in 96. Just to make you feel really old. Yeah, I think I might start (laughs) downloading their maps. If that's the case. Thanks for that, Sam and Zara. I also had the chance to speak with the daughter of a familiar name who was synonymous with the Sir Alex Ferguson years here at Old Trafford. I'm P. Moonstein and I'm a presenter and commentator. Congratulations on your recent award. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what exactly you won? Yeah, so I won the SJA One to Watch On Air Award, um, which is a big surprise for me and very honoured to have won it. Uh, And I guess it's just sort of uh, very grateful for the opportunities that I've had over the past year to be able to grow as a a commentator and a presenter as well, working for a variety of different platforms. So yeah, it's been a really fun year. I never even imagined that I was going to do commentary. And then um, I actually started working for MUTV and they said, you know, give commentary a go. We like the sound of your voice. So I did, did a lot of the uh, the women's games and then it sort of, sort of grew from there. Kept the reporting and presenting in it as alongside as well. But I guess that's what's so fun about working in sport is every day is so unpredictable and whether I'm doing a commentary or whether I'm presenting or reporting, um, every day is different. So it keeps you on your toes, that's for sure. It's really great that there are women commentators now and you are one of the big names now. How proud does that make you? Yeah, I mean, I don't even see myself as one of the big names yet. It's one of these things where I still sort of pinch myself to be up in a gantry with um, people that I've been listening to for so many years. It's a scary thing to do. It's a scary thing when you're sort of just starting out as well to, especially, you know, doing some of the games that I've been doing in the Premier League, Women's Champions League, things like that. So, but yeah, just grateful for the support that I've had along the way and, and lots of advice and sort of just being a sponge whilst I'm up there on the gantry. It's been, it's been a really good experience. In terms of the commentating and presenting any sort of broadcasting, do you feel like you've come up against any obstacles in that time? I have to be honest, I have had so much good support around me. And I think that's what my main priority was, is surrounding yourself with good people and people that are going to let you progress in your life and in your career. Um, I did struggle with that a lot at the start when I first started doing a bit of commentary. And, you know, you'll get comments on social media or whatever, and that was a big surprise to me because I hadn't really had that before. And then my dad and my brothers were sort of like, you just don't listen to them. Don't go on it. 
don't look at it, just listen to the people that mean a lot to you. And I think I've been very lucky that I, I haven't had it too bad. I've spoke to my brother in particular, because he plays football now. And, um, you know, there's times where we've had the conversation before where he's missed a penalty. And I'm like, how do you, you know, mentally, how do you recover from that? You know, because there will be messages from people that are just horrible messages and nasty and He's just like, you could just, you know, you know that the next thing you're going to do, you're going to make up for that mistake or you're going to, you know, you're going to do something better that people will hopefully remember. And, um, you know, no one's perfect. And I, I have struggled with that as well. And I now, you know, I speak to people about my anxiety at work and dealing with those comments. And yeah, it's nice to have my dad and my brother that have been in that situation, because if there is anything, I'll speak to them straight away about it. And, you know, they know you know, even better than me about how to deal with those kind of situations. And, you know, you trust your family over everything. So yeah, they've been a really good support network. Do you think that there still needs to be some changes in terms of full equality for men and women in sport? I think definitely going in the right direction. I think I have been super lucky with the opportunities that I've had. I think I've come in at a good time where um, it's a lot more accepted now that there are going to be female voices. And I think it's important that there are female voices in sport, not just in women's sport, but also men's sport, because, you know, you see women come to Old Trafford all the time and watch football. They need to have the option to listen to people that sound like them. Yeah, of course. And obviously that they don't feel uncomfortable coming to football matches. Have you ever been in that position? I've never felt uncomfortable at a football game. I've been quite lucky because even when um, my dad was working at United, we were sat in sort of the family stand and you kind of get to know everyone. And it was a, it was a nice atmosphere. Um, it's the same when I'm working at football, you work in sort of the press rooms and you start getting to know people. It's a little bit different when you work in the press room because everyone's got the job to do. So everyone's busy and they're on the laptops or whatever, or they're writing things down. So, um, you never want to interrupt anyone when they're working, but I've had a, I've had good experience at football matches. There are definitely times where, you know, I'll finish a game and it's a nighttime game and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to get back to the train. I've got to walk and you are a little bit more on edge, I suppose, but I do feel like if anything would happen, I feel like I would know the people that I could speak to and I, I would hope that things would be done quite swiftly. And just finally, what does Manchester United mean to you? Not to be too cliche, but I suppose for me, Manchester United was always a little bit like a family in the sense where it feels like I'm coming home because I've grown up with it for, well, since we moved to Manchester when I was four. It's one of these things that's been such a big part of my life. It's not just football. It's everything behind the scenes as well and all the people that work here. So, yeah, and it just, I couldn't imagine not being in Manchester. It's actually funny because there's so many people will say to me, like, why don't you move away to London or something? And I'm like, well, Manchester is just my home. And a big part of that was Manchester United. It's quite clear that Manchester United will always hold a special place in Payne's heart. Okay, we heard from the fans earlier, but I think the only way to finish this podcast is with the fans again. I invited Kim Burdett and Alina Akbar along to Old Trafford to talk about their thoughts on being a Manchester United fan. Hi, I'm Kim. I'm from Warrington. I'm a season ticket holder in East Stand and I have a son called Alex named after Sir Alex Ferguson. So I'm Alina Akbar and I'm a filmmaker. How long have you had your season tickets? 
Um, they've been in the family over 30 years. Myself has been over 25, so I've got my name on my seat. How long have you been a Manchester United fan? I know you say that the tickets have been in your family for a long time. Was mm. that something you grew up with or was it something later on in life that you took an interest with? So it's been since I was about eight, nine years old. Um, my granddad worked on the railways back in the 50s and he met the Busby Babes. So we heard lots of stories through our family about when he met them, what they were like. So it just really filtered through our family and there was really no other choice but to be Reds. I don't actually have a pinpoint moment where I realised I was a United fan. I thought it's just always been a thing. All my life, let's just say, 22 years. Come to watch the women's games, that, like the first proper match I watched at Old Trafford was a women's game. When I was around 12, I started going training, playing for a smaller club, and then I played for Rochdale when I was about 14, 15. So when I was about 15, I kind of stopped playing because it didn't really feel like the environment for a girl like me. Because I'm Muslim, I'd wear like tights under my shorts just to observe modesty. And that wasn't a thing that was respected. Like I heard like sly comments that were like, oh, it doesn't matter how cold it is, nobody should be wearing tights under their shorts. And then I was like, yeah, this isn't a space for me to turn up every day, like every Sunday, Saturday, whatever day it was. Yeah. Would you say, Kim, as a woman, you've ever come across any obstacles watching football sitting in the stadium? I wouldn't say I've really come up against any ob- obstacles here at Old Trafford. I, I feel comfortable here, um, particularly with the same people around me. I can't say I've ever felt, you know, any different to any other fan would feel being here. Um, I've been to lots of away games, European aways, where maybe things are slightly different. Things that have happened maybe on European aways policing and stewarding that maybe might differ slightly from how we may do it here. Um, I would say those are the occasions where I felt a little bit more uncomfortable, but certainly not being here. I think the vibe at the women's games are very positive and it's never been a thing where I felt uncomfortable. It's been very friendly, quite a happy environment, yeah. What would you say has been your best experience being a Manchester United fan? Well... I think most people of my age would say um, a game relating to the 99 season. I was actually at the game where we won the league, the game where we won the FA Cup, but I wasn't at the new mm. Camp. And I always felt after that that my chance to see United lift the European Cup had gone. So for me personally, it was Moscow. One of my favourite moments was when like, Rashford did the whole free school meals campaign because... I think now I'm an adult from a like working class background. That just meant so much to see that somebody with like that much reach kind of holding the government accountable for what they're doing. Um, on the opposite of that, then what's been your lowest experience as Manchester United fan? I don't like to relive this one very often. Um, but my husband and I were actually at the Stadium of Light um, oh, in no. 2012. And no, I don't like to relive this very often. I try not to think about it. Um, we were actually at the back of the stand and um, there was a cameraman at the back of the stand and he was feeding us snippets of information of, of the scores that was obviously happening at, with City. And there was that lull because obviously they had a lot of injury time. We'd finished our match, we'd won. And there was that lull and it was the most heartbreaking couple of minutes to swing from thinking we'd actually won the league to just having it snatched out of our hands. And I don't think I've ever felt such 
a, a sucker punch to the stomach as that. So that 100% was definitely the worst day supporting United. And how do you feel then? Because obviously things have changed. There's now women broadcasters, women commentators. How have you found that change over time? I've, I've, I've loved seeing this. Growing up, obviously I've always been interested in football and my ambition when I was growing up was to be a sports journalist. But it was something, you know, 25 years ago that just didn't feel like it was attainable. It didn't seem like an industry that women could really get into very easily and it would take something very special to be able to break into it. I think seeing more women broadcasters, journalists, writers... It's just wonderful. And, and it's not that there's more of them because, well, you have to include women now. It's because they've genuinely worked hard. They're good at what they do and they deserve to be there. For the future of football, I kind of hope there's more Asian representation. I feel as a young brand girl, there wasn't like, there wasn't a women's team to look up to at all. And then there wasn't women Asian players. And then, even for the men, same way, like there isn't many men professional Asian footballers. So I feel that's why our community kind of, they don't see a future for us within this spot. Also, I want to ask you what Manchester United means to you. It means a lot to a lot of people. United are the reason that, that my husband and I met. Um, they've played a huge part through our lives together. They're playing a huge part in our son's life now and our lives as a family. But apart from that, it's just, it's that thing you can't put your finger on with this football club. It's just special. An absolute pleasure to hear from Kim and Alina there. But as we come towards the end of this podcast, we're going to hear from Maureen Pelham and you'll do well to find a bigger Manchester United fan than her. Hello, my name is Maureen Pelham and I've been following Manchester United since the end of the 1950s. Maureen tells us how she travels to away games all over the country. Well, um, the monkey bus is uh, where we get on. Well, we get on at the Four Seasons in, in, near uh, Manchester Airport. Oh, it starts in Salford and Charlton Street, and then they pick us up, pick us up there. I, I don't know why it's called the monkey bus. I've no idea. In fact, it means nothing to me now because I just hear it all the time and and everything. But there's these lovely people. The people from Salford are salt of the earth people. And the other week, where did we go? I think we went to Nottingham Forest. Well, all these people got on about 12 of them. Drink. Oh, my. You know, I, I learn something every day. I mean, I have, I, if I drink this much, I'd be, I'd be ill and then I'd be wasting my time. But it was such a good atmosphere. And it's not just around the UK that Maureen follows Manchester United. I've been to all the European Cup finals, Champions League. Me and my friend, we decided we'd start go to away games. So we applied and that would have been 20 or 30 years. We apply for most things. We've been all over and we've had wonderful times. When we went to Tokyo, that was wonderful. We all stayed for a few days and it's vibrant, you know, so, so that was, that was great. 
Well, I've been to Kazakhstan to watch Asastana play Manchester United. Oh, yeah, I've got the scarf. I can see it now. Yes, uh, I've got it over the mantelpiece. It, I've, I've seen and done so much. I get them all mixed up. Kazakhstan, it was freezing. It honestly, it was just so cold. Um, and it was, it was really nice to see. In the end, all of us ended up in the shopping area because it was so cold. But the people were lovely. They really were. I always take to any of these type of, if I go to Europe or anything, I always take a, a diff, another scarf and I always give it to somebody who, who, you know, is from wherever we, we've been and just like, but they, they were so pleased to see us. It was, we must have had our photograph taken about 50 times. I also wanted to know if Maureen has ever felt uncomfortable being a woman supporting the team all over the world. Not at all, honestly. Not at all. The only times are if we've got to go in uh, um, and we have to go up the away people, like, for instance, Liverpool. I went to the Liverpool match uh, last season and just before the end, one of the stewards, and it was a lady steward, she said, you should be going out now. Well, I don't know if something was going to happen or not. So we said, okay. If you go, you've just got to be careful. And we do, if, especially when we're abroad, if we think it's not, we just hide our scarves. And as we come to a close, Maureen goes on to talk about her late husband. She explains to us which one of them was the biggest Manchester United fan. Definitely just me. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, he. my dad took me here. He did like football. He used to play football at school and things like that. But he never, won, he was never a fan like this. We, he did have a season ticket for one season, um, you know. But then that was good because he knew then who I was sitting with and, and everything, rather than that I'm just in the middle of people he doesn't know. Um, so, but he just didn't like it. He's, we were like chalk and cheese, but we got on. You know, it, it, it was, he let me do anything. But you know, I wouldn't do anything wrong, and you know, he he, he was so good, and, and now he's, he's gone. And finally, let's leave the last word to Maureen. What does Manchester United mean to you? I've got lovely friends and lovely neighbours. I can't—they're the best. They, they really are. Um, and I have a good a good time, and we have a great pub in Hale, and lots of old United people um, go in there. And when my husband died last year, several of them came and shook my hand and just had a few words. Isn't that kind? I mean, you know, it, that means everything. So quite a lot of them come uh, in there. One day, John O'Shea came in and I was just chattering here because it's a lovely pub and it, loads of nice people. And he just sat next to me and I said, oh, you are you John O'Shea? And he went, I am. So I said, can I have my photo taken with you? And he went, you can. <laughs> you know, that's the way to, but nobody bothers. We're all equal. We're, we're all, and, and that's the way they, they do it. You know, it's, it's really good. So I, I'm okay. You, you know, I'm getting there. And, um, but I love, this is, this is, if I wasn't, I'm dreading the end of the season, but I'm sure I'll do something. Manchester United means everything to me. Yeah. <laughs>